James Version of John 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou heedest, hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how, can, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended unto heaven, but that he came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent to the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be removed. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest.
that they are wrought in God. The word of God for the people of God.
And Michael, if you'll take the mic and run it around a little bit to folks so we can hear people's response. My first question. As we discussed, and, and, the, and the word for word response, of course, there um, in verse, if you're looking at the scripture itself, is in verse 3. And you hear this language about being born either from above. What does your translation say? If you're looking at it, verse 3. From above. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born. Some translations say, born again, born anew. So I want to ask now, what does it mean? What do you think it means to be born again? We good Baptists should know what that means. Baptism. Okay. Asking Christ for forgiveness. Okay. Why don't you head toward the back? We're going to ask you to speak it into the mic because there's folks that can't hear, um, even if it's short. Asking Christ for forgiveness. Okay. <coughs> A new perspective. Letting go of old norms and reaching to something new. Coming out of what 
we know into the unknown. It's interesting that so many of us sort of lean into what we know. This is what I would like to offer, the difference between knowledge and wisdom. For notice, Nicodemus, when Jesus tells him all this, he says, how can these things be? And Jesus says, are you a teacher, one of knowledge, of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Here's a quote I wanted to read to you. Nicodemus finds the good news confusing because it demands that he let go of all that he has accomplished and understood. To let go and become like a newborn, ready to receive the world on completely new terms. And there's an ethical dimension to understanding. Some things are hard to grasp, not because they are conceptually subtle, but because they ask so much of us. We don't want to understand, because if we understand, we are implicated. This is Lance Pate. He's an associate homiletics professor at Bright Divinity. I think this is a great distinction, and one I want <coughs> to enter into a conversation about, this ethical dimension not being willing to let go, maybe of our own perceptions, as Kat said, this a new perspective that's being born again into something new, a new way of seeing or being. At Free For All, I want to, I want to, I want to bring you to around the table. Pretend you're eating scrambled eggs or omelets, which most of us are doing. And as we're talking about this passage and Nicodemus and Jesus in this dialogue, Brian brings up the question, you know, we talk a lot about these words born again in the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. He says, I've heard these my whole life. And he said, but why don't we see? Why don't we change? He says, we've been born again, but we don't see the kingdom of heaven. I've been born again. I still don't know where it is. Having a I've had the taste of it, but don't know how to access it. And it's like Jesus is speaking to us when he says to Nicodemus, if you don't understand earthly things, how are you to understand spiritual things? So I want that's such a that was such a great moment in our time together around the table. You know, forks dropped. <coughs> All right, I want you to enter into that moment. Here's the question. Why do we say we've been born again, but many times don't feel like we have changed? How can we have these moments where we feel like it could Elizabeth? Power is very seductive. And um, nobody wants to give up the power that they've earned 
in school or with money or with being born in the right family um, or being elected. <laughs> and um, that kind of power that we're, Jesus is talking about, although he doesn't use the word, is uh, turning everything upside down. And Nicodemus was an important person. And you saw how Jesus handled power. He succumbed to the evil, to over. just our need for control and our need for control really comes out of an inner anxiety an inner need that we all have to not let somebody else be in control and that's why it's hard to get to Jesus and that's why it's easy to try to control what we have around for me I think it's because we live alone often students. This is something we've studied in class, but uh, one of the things we study is the tabula rasa, the blank mind. Yeah. And if we are born again, then we are born blank again. Yeah. And you know, as a baby, you, everything that you receive is from input from others, and then you start to put ideas together. And I think being born again means that you, are, you have decided that my input is going to come from God almost like a parent to a baby, and that is really a scary thought for an adult. As a mainline Protestant, most of my whole life, born again has always had a negative connotation to me. Mainly I associate it with evangelical you know what I mean? <laughs> As a Chicago and I was terrified. Okay. Okay, Nita, Nita right there. I think we when we are born again, we are a baby in Christ. And I think that we forget are not taught or we don't realize that we have to drink the milk before we can eat the salad food, but we have to be fed. Mm. And sometimes we just do not get in there. Whether it's our fault or where we are. It's because what she's saying, so many people it's just, boy, he's in the kingdom of God now. Yes. And we don't uh, as a community or a church or whatever still reach out to these others or even if they're friends of ours or what, you know, we have to and um, they just have to you, you have to grow like as you grow as a human, you have to grow with God and yeah. I think that's a big step that this church is taking is to learn to not just feed the people of South Avenue but to feed the community with the spiritual 
But Paul is saying we pursue our own <coughs> desires. He literally says you go your own way. You do what you want to do. He says you follow the, and this is an interesting language he uses, you follow the rule of a destructive spiritual power. And then he uses this phrase, a spirit of disobedience. I think most of us realize that without, as even some have said about community, without the coming together without the relationship, without the daily dying to self, we choose darkness rather than light. I think there's another image, an image I don't want us to get away from this passage. We typically do, and I rarely, or at least growing up, I have no clue with this whole passage of Moses and the serpent, uh, that sort of went over my head growing up. But let me tell you what this is a reference to. And for those of you that still wanted to make some comments, we are going to have one more time for that, okay? This, this passage is a reference to Numbers 21, where it's a story of the Israel people had been, had been disobedient, and they were being punished. And so these snakes were sent out, and they were biting people, and they were dying in great number. And so as a result, they finally repented and complained to Moses, and so God told Moses... If you build, create this snake out of bronze, essentially, and make it on a large pole, and whenever people are bitten, they can look to this snake and they will be healed. Which at first I thought was really weird. I mean, it is really weird. But it's this idea that looking at the very thing that gave you death is what leads to your life. And what a great parallel to Jesus and why he uses this passage. For he says, Jesus too will be lifted up, referring both to his crucifixion, a physical lifting of humiliation through the crucifixion, but also a lifting up of his ascension into glory. So again, making this connection that Jesus, looking to Jesus through this process of death, and dying to self brings life. Jesus models the way. The way that change happens. Not only does he model, he makes it possible. And that is through surrender. So I want, I want to, to end with something that I think will be quite helpful in this interpretation of John 3.16. Kathleen at Free For All brought up the great point that, we, that she struggles with the word believe there. And, and what exactly does that hold? Does that just mean we espouse, hey, I believe in Jesus? Because as we have said, some people can just say, I believe in Jesus, it's done. And that apparently seals it for all eternity. Well, what does that mean, that word belief? And actually, it incorporates two parts. Yes, the first part is an intellectual assent. Um, yes, we're called to believe that it really happened. But this is the easiest part of believing, just the intellectual piece. And we know, as in Scripture, the great verse, that even the demons believe and shudder. So mental assent is not enough. 
The belief requires something more. Jesus calls us into something more, which is what he's depicting in this imagery of the, of the snake and looking toward it, looking toward Christ. Belief, the second component of belief, is surrender. Surrender. To give under something. To trust it. To letting our lives be transformed. Letting ourselves die to be lifted up. In fact, it's not enough to use some of that language, Jesus is Savior. That's not enough. In fact, even in our own membership conversations, we do a Providence 101, and we talk about, it's not enough to say that Jesus is Savior, but we call people to say, Jesus is Lord. Anyone can say Jesus is Savior. Anyone can give mental assent. The demons can do so. But to say Jesus is Lord is to say, I surrender myself and surrender under. As we someone said at Free For All, I can't remember who it was, it says, to believe in this kingdom, you have to believe there's a king. <laughs> and we don't want that. There's this great quote I wanted to read to you by A.W. Tozer. It says, The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. We are implicated. But the call this morning, I think, which will be helpful again, is to ask this question. And I'm going to leave a moment of reflection, about 30 seconds, and then I invite you to speak. Because I'm going to, I'll start it, okay, so I'll prompt you. But the third question I want to ask for reflect and respond, and I think it's important application question that we don't just leave thinking, oh, these are some good ideas. But the question is, what does coming under God look like? What does surrender look like? What does ultimate loyalty or allegiance to Jesus look like? Let's help each other as we reflect and respond. I believe that coming under God, being born again, means surrendering to God daily. That salvation is not just a one-time thing, but a process. That daily we surrender to the Spirit. For what is born of the flesh is flesh. But what is born of the spirit is spirit. That we treat every day of the week as we treat Sunday. Mm -hmm. 
that we make Sabbath, our seven days of the week. May we honor God in all that we do. That we are transposed by the renewing of our minds. surrender by stop believing in Jesus and just believe Jesus. Believe that he is my life. Believe what he tells me to do as a husband and a dad is a demand. Believe that he can heal me. Believe exactly what he says about himself and who I am and how I'm supposed to live with him. Sometimes it seems like a big dark hole. Being born from above means a change more profound than just turning over a new leaf. It means a total reorientation of our outlook. And it can be seen in Nicodemus. You only get two other places in the Bible that he has mentioned. John 7, when he argues with his cronies on the Sanhedrin about Jesus and said, you're going to condemn him, you haven't even listened to him. And at Jesus' death, he brings a gift of very expensive spices to prepare for his burial. In other words, he had a great deal of confidence in Jesus that came out of his experience, although we don't have much of a description about it. The point is, that being born from a new, being born again really means being born from above. And so the spirit is the key factor. He operated in his discussions in his physical realm, entered back into his mother's womb. And Jesus talked about being born of, of, uh, of the flesh, of, of uh, doing the water. It's much more than just that. Being born again, not going around being very pious and being a born-againer, quoted in Time Magazine, but somebody who has had a total reorientation of their life, and the orientation is that above. They've looked to Jesus and placed their faith trust and whole life orientation on him. Surrendering to Jesus means I stop arguing with Jesus. 
knowing I'm loved and allowing that to pass through me to others. Surrendering to Jesus means I stop telling Jesus how great I am. Not yet come, but your time is always here. 